what that was. That was the song 6090 by The Abstinence. It appears on their album Al Infuerno en Paz, and it appears on this podcast. You know what this podcast is? Monster Kid Radio, the podcast celebrating the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. And you know who I am? I'm your producer and host, writer, Derek M. Cook. I want to welcome you to the show and welcome you to our continuing discussion about the 1975 film Inframan with special guest Ray Jelinek. Back in episode 93, we kind of gave you our first blush opinion of the film. This was a film that Ray had grown up with, loved it in his childhood. Well, in this episode, we're going to talk about some of the nitty-gritty, some little things here and there, some nitpicking is going to happen, but it's all out of love because we both really enjoyed this movie. Then this conversation kind of dovetailed in a weird way. I didn't expect it when we were talking, but we ended up talking about horror hosts and Ray growing up watching a horror host, how I didn't really have a, a home horror host when I was growing up because of my childhood circumstances. Really turned into a fun conversation that I hope you guys and gals enjoy here on Monster Kid Radio. Now, we have a website over at monsterkidradio.net where you can find out everything you need to know about the podcast between episodes. You can find a link to the website for The Abstinence over there. That's the-abstinence.bandcamp.com. You can also find our contact information. Our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com. And we have a voicemail line, 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-5657. MKR. Of course, there's links to everything else that we have going on. Live 365, YouTube, Flickr, it's all there, including a link to our Facebook group. So head over to our Facebook group to get involved with conversations with other listeners of Monster Kid Radio. Also in the show notes, you're going to find a link to a forum that will help you help us decide Monster Kid Radio's top 100 classic movie monsters. Episode 100 is coming, ladies and gentlemen. And for episode 100, we are going to review the top 100 classic movie monsters Completely arbitrarily, we've decided 1970 is the end of the classic period. Go over to this forum if you haven't already done so and tell us your top 10 classic movie monsters. All the rules are on the website. Deadline is May 14th. Fill that out. Fill in your name and email address so that I can verify if I have any questions about what you put in and put you in a drawing for a prize package that we'll announce on Monster Kid Radio episode 100 coming up here in a few weeks. And while you're online, you might as well head over to RondoAward.com as well to look at the ballot for the 2013 Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. You're going to find Monster Kid Radio on the ballot in category number 23 for Best Multimedia Horror. We're up there with a number of other fantastic video casts and podcasts. To vote in the Rondo Awards, you just have to email taraco at AOL.com. That's T-A-R-A-C-O at AOL.com. Com. The instructions are on the website, but head over there, fill out your ballot as best as you can. You don't have to vote in every category. And let the Rondo Hatton Award Committee know what your favorite media in horror and classic horror was in 2013. Voting ends on May 5th for that, so you only have a few days left. I am eager to get back to our conversation with Ray about Inframan, so why don't we do that right after this. Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Downplace is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. A podcast about Hammer, 
I don't want to be the one to cross Tony Stark. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com Oh, so it's not Justin Hammer. 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion. The optical effects, they are pretty limited. This movie was produced in a pre-Star Wars world. Yes. You know, we have hand-drawn-on laser lines and things like that. When things burn up or explode, some of it's on set. You know, you have some physical effects. You have squibs and water cannons and things like that. But for the most part, it's all kind of hand-drawn-on later, and it may have even been somebody took out the actual film stock and drew a line on it and then just animated that a little bit. Right. Just took, like, a fluorescent marker and just colored on the film. Right. Which, you know, isn't unheard of. It was sometimes mm-hmm. done that way. But I did like Inframan defrosting. Yes. There's a moment where he's frozen. And when he heats himself up, and, I mean, it just looks cool. He, the ice melts away in a particular way, and it looked really neat. Mm-hmm. So even though you've got some of those cheesy, low-budget, low-brow, hand-drawn animated laser blasts, every once in a while they pull out an effect that looks pretty cool. And then another thing I found hilarious about this whole movie was the fact that when he became Inframan, he comes out in public and the people are like, oh, there's Inframan. It's like, wait a minute. He's the first Inframan. How do they know who he is? You know, and they just treated him like, oh, he's been here all the time. Right. Which, again, kind of lends itself to this feel that it should have been on television or something because mm-hmm. – while in the story world, there might not have been that level of familiarity, the audience would have that level of familiarity, and that would kind of translate over. I don't know. Right. I think seeing this on TV would be a lot of fun, though. It would be. I think it would be a blast to see it on TV with a horror host introducing the movie. This just screams late night Saturday night to me. Like we were saying earlier, I think this would be a really fun movie to to see on the big screen again. Yeah, that would work, too. With a crowd. I, with a crowd. With a crowd, Yes. Because, you know, there have been other movies, you know, let's mention the Santo movies that <laughs> are that much more fun with a crowd. Oh, yeah. This is fun watching on your own. And I'm sure it, the, the level of fun would be just high with a group of people watching this. Because I remember when I went to the theater to see this, the one thing I do remember is I do believe I was the only one in this theater. Really? Seeing this movie. Yes. So, oh, wow. you know, <laughs> I was the only one drawn in by the poster, at least for that time of day, because it was a Saturday afternoon. So you figure there would have been more people in there, but they were probably seeing other things. So that's really unfortunate. But then on the other hand, I remember any time that I would go if, as a kid, if I'd go to see a movie and I was the only kid in the audience, mm-hmm. it almost felt like a very special experience to me. Right. Like I get to see this movie all by myself. Exactly. Now, exactly. that feeling kind of passed when I was the only guy in the theater at Hellraiser 3. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I, it wasn't as special anymore, although I have some fondness for that film. As a kid growing up, there's got to be that spectacle. This You're a kid, so the screen's even that much bigger. 
Well, and you know, that was, that was how I saw Phantasm. When I snuck into Phantasm at the same theater, by the way, (laughs) I was the, I was the only person in there. Oh, wow. And so I was, what, let's see, 11 when I saw that movie. And it scared the crap out of me. And I remember seeing the second movie when I was stationed in Germany and took a date to it. And I had flashbacks oh, from the first one. Yeah, I, I had flashbacks <laughs> from the first one, and it scared me. So things like that do stick around with you, certain things. I was doing a, a quick Google image search here, and I found another version of the movie poster that references Star Wars. And I'm wondering if this is from a later release of the film. Uh, the tagline across the top is, Now the star of the wars that ravaged planet Earth. So, you know, you said you saw this post-Star Wars, even though it was released mm-hmm. the first time around before that. So they were, this thing was kicking around for a little while. I would assume. So that, that could be why I saw it so late in the game, is it had been, you know, shopped through so many markets. Yeah, and then there's that one, there's a image here. It says, the man beyond Bionics builds box office. Yeah. $164,000, Pittsburgh, first week, 40 theaters. You know, that that's a big deal back then. Well, it was a different time, too, when movies were being shown. And this is kind of a holdover from the 60s as well and the exploitation era, the golden age of exploitation cinema, I suppose, the 50s and 60s. They wouldn't have this nationwide blitz of movie releases. They would just have a handful of prints and go wherever they could. Right. You know, it's not like it is now. Right. For better or worse. Exactly. Now, one comment that you made on the Facebook page is that you could see the holes in their pants every once in a while. Yes, there's one scene where the power goes out. You know, the monsters are invading the, the science area. And the, the professor tells the guy, we need to restore power in the next 60 seconds or, you know, Raymond's going to die. And as he's crawling across the, the floor, and this that Cthulhu type creature grabs him and pulls oh, that him away, was, which was very cool, by the way. Exactly, <laughs> and he goes flying through the air and hits the ground. Legs go up, and there's like two big rips in his pants. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> they didn't think to redo that shot, or they just didn't pay attention to it, or I, it lent some more of the fun to it. You know, he, oh, he ripped his pants. You know, yeah. And I think there was one where you could see. That the guy was wearing sneakers? Yes. They lift the monster over his head and his hands, his legs start flailing around. You can see the sneakers in there, so. That was the, uh, that was that Cthulhu type creature. Yeah, was it the same one? Uh huh. That was one of the first, uh, fights between, was between him and Inframan. And they're outside and they're, you know, throwing each other around. Yeah. Every time he flew through the air, I'm like, wow, he's got sneakers on. <laughs> I guess the costumes only went down so far for him, I guess. Sure. So I guess they had to give him, you know, pants so he could fight instead of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> true. That's true. What a treat, yeah. though. What a fun yeah, film. It is. It is a movie I could probably watch over and over because it's, it's just such a fun movie. So it is a trip. I would have watched a sequel. I, I wish there was one. I would mm-hmm. so camp out and have an Inframan marathon. That would be awesome. <laughs> and it does look like at one point there was a limited edition Inframan figure and one of the Bone Soldiers, but I don't see where they were sold. I'm just seeing them on eBay, so I don't know if they were customs. They could have been customs easily. Yeah. Such a fun movie. Well, I want to get my hands on that Image Entertainment release. I just uh, did put it on my Amazon wish list, so, <laughs> you know, may- maybe 
once my birthday rolls around, I can start dropping some hints to my wife. And exactly, <laughs> exactly. There. Uh, that, that'll be a fun time. But in the meantime, we have it on streaming. It's available through Amazon, so easy to check out and track down. And I want to hear what people think of this movie. When I mentioned it on Facebook, a handful of people knew what this movie was, and they're talking about how great it is. So I want to open this up to the listeners of Monster Kid Radio. If you have thoughts or memories about when you saw Inframan, what you think about the movie now, I want to hear from people and, and hear what people think about Inframan. And you know what? We get enough of this, I'll have Ray back to go over that feedback and just continue this Inframan love fest that we have here. This was a trip. So good. Yeah, it was, it, like I said, it was definitely a fun movie, and, and I could see myself watching this thing over and over and over again. In fact, I think I found an image that I'm probably going to update my Facebook page with. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is really quite cool. Somebody did almost an Iron Man homage to it. Oh, that looks good. Yeah, that was off of Deviant Art. Yeah, no, that is really good. That does look very Iron Man-like. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. And it, is, it almost, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it segues into the heavier robotics of the Japanese films in the 80s, where they went more that direction. Yeah, more tech. Mm-hmm. And that's actually something that I was a little confused about by this movie, by the way, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it and see if it made any sense to you. Mm-hmm. Princess Dragon Mom is trying to figure out how they're going to defeat Inframan. And they spend all this time looking at schematics of Inframan. Where they got the schematics, I have no idea. Right. But she seems to think that she's figured out a weakness, maybe in the hands of Inframan. Yeah, it was like a little chipset from what I could see. And I'm like, how did you translate his weakness from a chip? And this is right <laughs> when we're starting to talk about the Thunderball Fists, which were amazing. I wish I had Thunderball fists. Mm-hmm. But then this whole thing just gets dropped later when she kidnaps the professor's family, and I don't understand why that whole bit got dropped. Right, because later on in the film, not going to say what it was, because I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that have not seen this movie, they come up with a completely different idea that's a weakness. Right. And, and I was like, why didn't you think about this earlier? With any movie, there's going to be plot holes but this one, you really don't care, honestly. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's okay. That's a good idea. It's like they were brainstorming. Yes. <laughs> out they, loud they, and didn't edit that out. <laughs> they had the script. They were like, okay, here's what we want to talk about, but let's go with this. You know, Let's get some interesting ideas flying around, and we'll, we'll edit it later. Yeah, and they yeah. just forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just go over there and improv a little bit, and uh, yeah, well, well, if there's something good, we'll use it. Exactly. <laughs> are are you familiar with the cast at all? I'm not. I was looking at the listing, and it mentioned one of the guys was from another movie that I've seen called The Killer, Danny Lee. Who is Inframan. Mm-hmm. Who plays Raymond in this. And so, yeah, I thought he looked familiar, but, yeah, none of the rest of the cast looked familiar. Yeah, I was trying real hard because I've been watching a lot of the – a lot of Asian cinema lately, and I've been trying to, you know, get a little bit more up to date on the who's who and all that. And I just I couldn't, I didn't know anybody in this thing. Mm-hmm. But of course, we know the Shaw brothers. Yes. If you don't know the Shaw brothers, you're missing out quite a bit. Yeah, the Shaw brothers are definitive. They have their own way of doing things, and well, they're they're known for the kung fu films and all that. And 
I feel like Inframan does include more martial arts than what I normally see in like an Ultraman. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of martial arts in this. Yeah. A lot of spinning kicks and backflips. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we need to figure out who has the rights to this. We yeah. gotta get the screen somewhere. This this is something I would love for us to do you know, something at the Hollywood. Because oh. that would be the perfect venue for this. I'd settle for the Clinton. <laughs> uh, the Clinton would even be fine for this. Yeah. Well, I can honestly say that I think my life changed a little bit yesterday afternoon when I watched this movie. Well, this is a life-changing movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you really have to enjoy this kind of stuff. And like I said, it, it harkens back to when we were, you know, we were kids, and and it, it brings back a you know a different time. How would your life be different today if Little Ray didn't see this movie in the movie theater? You know, I don't think I would have I would developed the the like and enjoyment of the the robot movies you know that came after that the, the comic books and whatnot like i was mentioning earlier um you know shogun warriors and, and transformers and, and that kind of thing i don't think i would have had the same like of those things had i not seen inframan because it just kind of brought forth something that you didn't see in american cinema and it was something really really fun that it was that it was and like i was saying earlier i have no idea why the move from Tacoma to Great Falls, Montana took a lot of this away from me in my childhood. I don't know what the difference was between the geographic areas or, or the demographics or the culture there. I mean, I was on a military base, so you'd think that would kind of transfer over, but man, I just am trying to imagine what would have been different for me if I continued to watch these movies from, let's see, second grade through fifth grade or so is when I was in Montana. Mm-hmm. It would have been a perfect time to watch this kind of stuff and just really get into it. So. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, well. Fortunately, it's out there now, so I can go back and experience it now and just try to remember what little Derek was like at the time. <laughs> well, just think how, how our lives would have been different had we had the internet back then. That's true, to have access to all these streaming movies like immediately, practically. And movies like this, which, I mean, back in the 90s, I was working in video stores, and if somebody had come in and asked for Inframan, I would have no idea what they're talking about. Right, right. And I do remember seeing you know, things like Ultraman um, in like the local Blockbuster or whatnot, off in the really, really, really tiny anime section. I think it was only like one or two shelves. But nowadays... You know, if there were still video stores around, which there are a few, these sections are much, much bigger. I remember when we got the shelf talkers, the, the labels to put on top of the shelves. Instead mm-hmm. of anime, it would say Japanimation. Oh, yeah. And I also remember one guy being very offended by that. It's anime, you should call it. What is this Japan? Like, you, we were somehow insulting him by calling it this. <laughs> But I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched a lot of that stuff. I mean, I just wasn't exposed to it. I kind of wonder how my life would be different if Little Derek had watched that. Well, you remember Creature Feature back in the day. Um, we had a Creature Feature in Omaha with the host was Dr. Sanguinary. And he showed, you know, the old horror films, the, the Godzilla films, which at the time I never really got into. And then he would do different things like this. I mean, he never did Inframan, but I do remember catching a glimpse or two of, you know, some Ultraman and Ultra 7 and stuff like that. 
but it just at the time it didn't it didn't grab me. And then I saw Inframan, and by that time things like this had moved forward and they had gotten out of this and gone back to just monster movies. So I didn't really think much of it. You know, we've talked a little bit about the horror host you you had access to, Doctor Sanguinary. Mm-hmm. Is he still active? From what I've seen online, his son took over for a while after he passed away. Okay. Picked up the man mantle, and I think it was called Son of Sanguinary. But by then, that late night cable had pretty much killed the late night local horror show, at least for that area. I'm over at its website right now, drsanguinary.org. And it looks like still being shown, but like you said, it might be his son now. Because mm-hmm. from what I remember, I mean, this has been you know 20 years ago. Yeah, that, that is him right there on Channel 42. I think it's his son now. Which you see happen every once in a while. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he was old at the time. Oh, yeah, that's definitely not him. Because this, this guy was very, very old, even at that time. Yeah. So and it looks like he has a interesting... Looks like he has a whole run of different people with him now. It looks like he does live shows. Mm-hmm. Well, he was v- he was very involved in the community. I remember when I was growing up too. I mean, he would he would go to the the children's hospital and things like things like that. So he was very very active in the community. So, so seeing this continue is a good thing. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that you got with a lot of horror hosts. They were very involved in their local community and. Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing. And, you know, I kind of tell people in passing, when I grow up, I want to be a horror host because it just looks so darn cool. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> For the listeners, this is amazing because we're sitting here looking at all these different websites getting lost and, oh, Dr. Sanguinary did that. And <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very cool. Well, oh, and see, now it's called, and if you look on that, if you're still on that page, it says Amanda Shannon's Dr. Sanguinary's Creature Feature. Yeah, I see that here too. So I'm wondering if his daughter took over. Because there's just so much in here. That's cool. Yeah, see, I never had a horror host growing up. It's unfortunate. I wish I did. But then I also moved around a lot. Dad was military. So if I had found one, I would have lost him or her. Probably. Because you probably moved like every couple of years, didn't you? Uh, We didn't move as much as some kids. Um, I don't remember my time in Arizona, but... You know, Tacoma, Great Falls, and then Cheyenne, Wyoming, which wouldn't have had anything. Right. And see, I, I grew up in an Air Force community, so I was used to, you know, seeing, you know, kids at the time be there for a couple of years and then their, you know, father or mother get reassigned and they were gone. Right. But off at Air Force Base, which at the time was Strategic Air Command, was pretty much the be all end all. If you got assigned to off it, that was your final station until you retired. Oh, really? Yeah. Because of the, the magnitude at the time. I mean, this was the, the center for all the missiles. This was, you know, where everything was run through secondary only to NORAD. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty big, but yeah, well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it would have been interesting to have a horror growing up, but fortunately we were talking about the internet earlier. I now live in a time <laughs> where I can go online and check out all these old YouTube clips or, buy the DVDs directly from the horror host. I've got a huge horror host collection here now. So mm-hmm. I mean, I'm friends, I'm good friends with one of the horror hosts out there that I really appreciate. So, and that'd be Rondo award nominated, Dr. Gain green. 
<laughs> nice. So you got to get a little plug in there for him yeah. and his article about Jack Pearson, who really designed the Frankenstein monster in Scary Monsters magazine. So head over to RondoAward.com for the ballot and check that out and vote for your favorites, including maybe Monster Kid Radio in Category 23. <laughs> not that you're, you know, plugging anything. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was that too subtle? Yes, that was that. Well, no, that was that was all right. All right, that all was right. subtle enough. No. I appreciate that, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything else we need to say about Inframan before we let you go? No, I think we've pretty much covered it without giving too much away. Hopefully, uh, you know, the listeners out there will start to you know, dig this up and, and watch it themselves and enjoy it like we did. Oh yeah, I mean, it was such a treat to watch. So much fun. It's it's campy. It's cheesy. It's superhero-y, the way the Shaw Brothers knew how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's got some great sound effects that wee, every time he jumps is wonderful. I'm going to do that now in my head every time I jump. <laughs> <laughs> Practice your backflips. Well, that, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but the next time I see you, I, I want to see you do one. How about that? Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah, you no. better have a springboard ready. <laughs> need a stretcher if you want me to do it. Something like that. (laughs) Ray and I are going to have to find another movie to talk about here on Monster Kid Radio because that was just so darn fun. Maybe we'll talk about horror hosts. Maybe we'll talk about, you know what, I'll talk to him and see what movie he wants to talk about. I know he's going to want to talk about Godzilla because that's coming up. The Monster Kid Radio crash is happening on May 3rd. If you're in the Portland, Oregon area... The Hollywood Theater is showing a digital restoration of the original Godzilla, the Japanese cut. Amazing to see it at an amazing theater with a bunch of amazing folks. If you are in the Portland, Oregon area on May 3rd, I would love to see you there. Now, here's the thing about the Hollywood. They're only showing Godzilla once a day. They got kind of a wonky schedule. And for whatever reason, they're showing Godzilla at 3 p.m. Saturday afternoon, which I guess kind of makes sense. You see a monster movie on a Saturday afternoon with a bunch of friends. That's going to be awesome. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there with my recorder. I'll be there with my Hawaiian shirt. So you can look for me. Just look for the guy who looks like he's having the most fun in the room. Say hi. Let me know you listen to Monster Kid Radio, and I might even put you on the show if you want. I know I'll put Ray on the show, and I think Chris McMillan is still committed to going as well, so you'll hear from him. Tom Doffel's talking about showing up. Tom Bigler's talking about showing up. It's going to be a blast. I know Kyle from the Kaiju cast is going to be there with a special guest. So it's just going to be a good time if you're in the area. And if you're not, well, we'll think about you. And then we'll share the recording that we took the following week on Monster Kid Radio. So that's what you have to look forward to next week on the podcast. Within the next few weeks, we're going to have Joe Stuber back on the show to talk about another Abbott and Costello film. And I'm talking with Scott Morris about having him back on the show to talk about one of his favorite classic monster movies. It's a public domain film that recently just got remade. I'm going to leave that out there as a tease. You guys and gals can try to figure it out on your own. And Scott, don't tell anybody, no cheating. Also, I'll go ahead and mention this. I haven't talked about it on the show, but not next weekend, but the weekend after that, May 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th, here in Portland is the World Horror Convention. Portland is playing host to the World Horror Convention. I'm going. I'm going to be a panelist. Desmond Reddick from Dread Media, he's going to be a panelist. We're going to be at the World Horror Convention together, both of us with a couple of portable recorders, probably trying to get some interviews. At least I hope we can. If nothing else, maybe I'll trick Des into being on the show. I mean, I'll ask Des to be on the show, at least to say hi to everybody. I haven't podcast with Des since my mail order zombie days, so that'll be a lot of fun. I haven't seen him in a long time either. 
So it'll be good to catch up with him. If you are going to be at the World Horror Convention, again, Hawaiian shirt, big goofy grin, recorder, looks like I'm having the most fun. You know the drill. I can tell you that I do plan on being at the panel held by Victoria Price, Vincent Price's daughter. She's one of the guests of honor. So if nothing else, you'll find me there. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution. Non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that does not apply to the song 6090. That belongs to The Abstinence. It appears on their album Al Infuerno and Paz. You can find it at their website, the-abstinence.bandcamp.com. Talk to everybody next week. (laughs) 